Hello and welcome to another Creative Waffle podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hirons. The podcast is powered by Blue Deer Design. And today's guest is Brad Woodard. Brad is one half of illustration and design studio Brave the Woods. Working with his wife on the studio, they create awesome, colourful and playful illustrations for their clients. They've also worked on children's books. During the show, we talk about Brad's background, where he grew up, how he's adapted and changed his illustration style, how has the iPad Pro affected his illustrations, what tech and gear he uses, why he started his educational poster project, creating a Skillshare class and Creative South. Brad also shares his number one tip and advice throughout the episode. I really hope you enjoy the show. Without further ado, this is my chat with Brad Woodard. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's recording now. <clears throat> well, welcome to the, the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, man. Uh, thanks very much for doing the uh, five question interview again. I just want to say. <laughs> no, that was fun. <laughs> that, that, that last one was kind of tricky, but it was, it was, uh, they're great questions. <laughs> it might get two, two again at the end. I want to see if you give the same answers. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember them from last time. I remember some of them, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give conflicting answers now. <laughs> well, if I, also, I want to say, when you go to your website, I was like a candy, like a, a kid in a, a sweet shop. Uh, thank you. It's, it's like, it's a color everywhere and it's, and it's, you know, where to look first and it's, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, lots of amazing work. So awesome. I'll say that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk about you. Like, what, how did you get into design? What was your background? Where did you study? Yeah, no, no, that's great. I, I, uh, my background was actually fine art. So I grew up painting and drawing and doing all that kind of fun stuff. I didn't, I didn't quite think of it as a career as, as in, I wasn't thinking of the financial part of it. <laughs> like, how do I make money? I just knew this is what I'll be doing. And I was very confident that this is just what I'm going to do because I love it. And, uh, my mom was an artist. And so, uh, she really pushed me in that direction in terms of just doing it, not necessarily doing it as a career, but, uh, yeah, I, I, so I went to school, uh, I went to college in uh, BYU, Idaho. So back here in Idaho, <laughs> just yeah. a different, more barren part of Idaho. Um, but it, uh, it, was, it was a really good experience for me because I, I took some classes thinking I was going to be an, a fine artist and then realized quickly that everyone was much better than I was, <laughs> like much better than I was. The the pool of talent was much bigger there and inside, you know, then when you're in high school and stuff like that, it's a much smaller talent pool. So going to college from, you know, people coming from all over, it was kind of humbling, but it also opened my eyes to, to more than just the fine art part of it. Right. Like I, I took a, a drawing class and my, my teacher was quick to tell me that I should take a design class to learn the tools and, you know, the principles of design. Cause those, uh, those would help me, you know, really make something that I could, that could communicate or not, not just like make a beautiful piece of art, but make something that could communicate an idea. And that was fascinating to me, especially since by the time I got into college, I was thinking about making money. So telling me to go down the, you know, the commercial art route um, was, was an interesting idea. And so that's what I did. But from then on it was, so I got my design, I got a bachelor's degree in uh, graphic design. And then afterwards, I got a couple jobs out of college at design firms and, and ad agencies and then uh, started doing illustration. I, I kind of injected illustration into all of those because I never really, I loved drawing and I liked that part of it. And then it just became my full-time job because everybody was requesting it. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I, do you keep up with any people from, uh, from school still? I do. Yeah. That, that's actually one thing I, I like to tell people is I do because when I'm, when I'm, especially when I'm talking to young students, uh, I, I'm, I'm pointing them out and I say, Hey, you know, we're, we're here. These are all your friends. Like stay in contact with everybody around you, whether they're 
designers or illustrators, like if they, they don't have to have the same thing as you. Like I have some photography friends mm. that I was, uh, or, or animators or things like that. Things that I wasn't very good at. <laughs> I tried to make good friends with people that were good at it. Um, but yeah, I, I have a lot of great friends from school uh, and I, we've done collaborations together. We get jobs for each other. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, do you think you feel like it's like a better friendship as well, like a better bond because you've been friends for so long and since like you, you've seen each other grow? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I definitely think so. I mean, in school, I feel like you kind of band together when you're in design school <laughs> because you just have such crazy projects, and a lot of them they do work collaboratively. Like those are the like those are like the one type of projects that uh, that I actually enjoy working on with a bunch of people and. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that was kind of in, in school, you're, you're rushing to meet these deadlines together, you're solving problems together. And so when you get out of school, you do the same type of thing and you feel comfortable working with them because you know them and you trust them. So uh, it's good to make, yeah, make friends in school. And what's, uh, like, how, how hard did your mom push you a bit? Because it was being crazy. <laughs> to be creative? Yeah. <laughs> She pushed, she pushed. Well, cause the, and the reason why I say that is because she was still creating when I was a kid, right? Like she was still actively creating art. Now she's not this, uh, she doesn't run a whole business with it. She always did. Um, she's just always been around it. She's always creating things for other people. Her biggest thing is, you know, she was, she was our, a stay at home mom um, my whole life, which I really appreciate uh, that she was there but she uh, was always making something still does for other people. And now she teaches workshops and, and, uh, and she does like, now she, she, she's branched out to everything. She does painting, she does sewing, she does quilting, she does everything. And so I was always around her creating things just for fun for other people, or she did them for like art shows and stuff like that. So, uh, or craft shows. So we make lots of little shoot back in the nineties. The it was, the, the craft scene was a lot of uh, wood, <laughs> painted wood, like necklaces and all these other things. And so I had a chance of getting in the assembly line because there's four of us kids and we'd all kind of just assembly line. Like my dad would cut out the wood pieces and then some of us, one kid would base, base coat, you know, and then the next person would put on the eyes on the bear and the next kid would do that. So we had like a little sweatshop going in, <laughs> but I, you know, I look back at it and I'm like, man, I was like, there's so much we, we, we had to do all this stuff and it was, you know, I didn't, a lot of times you didn't like doing it, but all the stuff that I learned from it, like I had to do when I was, got older, I was like, I was doing the shading on the bear and I was doing the, this, or, you know, all that stuff's taught me a lot of great things for, for my fine art. And it got me interested in it. And I just like, I always feel like I have to be busy creating something. So she definitely instilled that passion in me to create and, and made every, you know, means possible for me to do it you know and use that as an outlet but she never really pushed it as, as a job <laughs> yeah oh, that's awesome how, how have you like sort of found your your style and your adapted your style um coming from a student and until now yeah uh a lot of experimentation i mean i i'm i'm the type of person that gets super interested in a lot of different things and i can't really sit on one style very long as you've probably seen in my portfolio you'll see styles that are super realistic and you'll see some that are like crazy loose and you know vector geometric shapes you know but it, it's uh i don't know i i, I kind of treat my illustration style like i treat like a like a designer. So like a design, I, I kind of approach it with the design like designers approach problems. Like we're solving a problem. Whereas illustration, a lot of times you can kind of go down the route where like people will come to you and say like, 
hey, we want this in your style. Like, they don't have to solve that problem for us. Just give us your style, right? And give us a bear in your style or whatever. I keep saying bear. I don't know why I'm saying. Now I'm stuck on bears. I do like bears, but not that much. Um, but, you know, I, then I'll start. But having the um, having worked in, like, lots of different styles, I think really helps helps me, like, approach problems. Because then I'll see a problem from someone and I'll be like, hey, this would be really cool. But it would be really cool if it was in this style, like if it was like during this era or whatever. So now people come to me to solve their problems with illustration, whereas they don't necessarily always come to me and say like, make this look like Brave the Woods. It's always nice when they say that, but then I'm like, I don't know what that even means because which, <laughs> which of my Brave the Woods, like which of my projects is it, you know? And so I like when people come to me and they're like, hey, can you do this? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've never tried that. Like I never tried that watercolor style or whatever it is. And I'll try to jump in and do it. But by doing that, and doing lots of projects on the side, just experimenting and playing. Uh, it's really helped me see where, what things I do hold on to. It's like, oh, I draw my eyes exactly the same way and all these different things. Or I always put this black stroke around a few of the edges just to kind of outline it a little bit more so it doesn't get lost. But that, then I realized, okay, that's a bit of me coming out. And the only way I discovered that was by experimenting and putting in that mileage of just playing, you know, and working. So like, uh, yeah recognizing the patterns between different things that you do. Yeah. You have to be very like, be very aware of what you like. Look, yeah. Look for those, look for those, those patterns in your work because as you start and, and, the, and the way to do that too, is by like, I created something called the character challenge for myself and it's on a Tumblr site. Uh, and it was just a character a day and I tried to do it in a different style every day. And so by doing that, I, was, I try to go in different styles, but then you see by the end of it, they're all kind of similar style. Cause I just, all the things that I was learning, I was just kind of like, Oh crap. Like I do do that all the time. And I started bringing that in and then I started there, but you, but you see it with like a new influence with it. Right. You're like, Oh, that was like, that looked like something you made before, but it also has like this new element to it that I can't put my finger on. And that's because it's, you know, I, I tried lots of different things and I'm adding to my style daily, you know? Yeah. So you like, yeah, adapting to it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I think it's for, especially for young students and people, it's hard for them to find uh, or hard for them to express their style because they, like you say, haven't tried and haven't experimented as much. I'm still finding exactly. where I want to go in that. And it's, it's, um, it's an interesting learning curve. Don't, well, it takes a while too. I mean, like, and everybody, like I say that being like, don't let your work look like it's der completely derivative or like it only has one source. That it's harder when you're just learning because that's kind of how you learn, right? You mimic other people. And, and that's what I did. And I still do kind of do that in a way. Like I'll, I'll take like a famous piece of art or, or like an artist that I really admire. And I will try to do a project looking just like them, like just like their project. Or I'll do one that's like an exact replica of something that they already made just as a practice for me to kind of get closer to why they made it that way or how they made it that way. And then, and how I can recreate it. And so learning a little bit about the past and learning about how other people made things can really, you know, aid you in, in going forward. But like when you're right, when you're first learning, your stuff always looks like your favorite artist, right? Like for a little while. And then you start seeing like, Oh, now you went on this trip here and you like, you saw all these things. So you start bringing that in and then you're like, Oh, well then I also love this music. And you start to figure out ways to bring in your music preferences into your art. You know, there's all these different experiences and, and, and other bits of inspiration that you can pull from as you get more comfortable um, being you, which is just through, again, mileage, just continually doing it. 
yeah yeah it's got you've got to say to these students that you know it's going to take time and have persistence and um let, mm. let go of it go with the flow <laughs> exactly right yeah um how has the ipad changed your style if, if at all uh, it's 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 changing the way i use vectors in a way because i tried is it adobe draw i think it's adobe draw is there yeah, is yeah. the illustrator equivalent right um so i like it because i can it feels more natural drawing with a stylus i mean i know i can do that on um i could do it on my cintiq that i have but it feels uh, the program there, it feels like a little bit more natural to just drawing. And then you can take the, once you've drawn it, it just saves it as vectors, right? So the whole thing is all in vectors anyway. So it feels a little more natural. So I can see how my, my vector work will have a little, I can be a little more organic with it. Cause typically when I go into vector artwork, I go pretty geometric just because I like building with shapes and like subtracting shapes and putting shapes together to create things when I'm using Illustrator. And if I don't, I just use the main, I build like the basics of it and then I bring it into Photoshop. So I could see, I could see the, especially as I, as the brushes get better and things on iPad Pro um, for like Procreate and whatnot is one I typically use. Uh, I could see it getting, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I could probably be doing, I just don't do huge projects on it. I, I don't I feel like the hardest part about it is like I can't I never quite finish a project on it I get really far I'll sketch and I'll do color and I'll kind of do this thing and then I'll go into Photoshop and I'll be like okay now I feel comfortable like messing with levels and textures and doing that kind of stuff because it can handle that and it can handle more layers but um, it has I will say the one thing it has changed is it's made me um, sketch a whole lot more because it feels like I can do I can layer so my sketching goes a lot quicker because I've stopped, I mean, I have not completely stopped, but I've kind of taken it from going in my physical sketchbook to my iPad using like a pencil. And then I can layer and do all that kind of fun stuff and get to my idea quicker. But I don't, I, everybody's, I, some people are really wary about jumping digitally first, but the brush just feels so like, so much like a pencil that I don't, it just feels right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking for an excuse to get one, but. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's great to be able to take it around and uh, it, with you, which is huge. Is, is it right that the, some of the cheaper iPads now can use iPad the, the pencil as well, or is that? Or I don't that? know. I don't. I'm not sure. I, I think they do have a smaller size. I think mine's like a 13 inch. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I think they do make a smaller size now that you can use the pencil on, cool. which would be awesome. I mean, I prefer. I work on a 22 inch Cintiq, and so I have a hard time going down to something smaller. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. yeah 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 it's just weird not drawing on like a, on a big canvas yeah it also when, when you first use cintiq is it is that the one with the screen on it or is that the yes one? Oh, okay it's like yeah it's, yeah it's a, it's a screen so i use it as a second screen and you can draw straight on it cool okay, that's cool uh did you ever use the one that hasn't got the screen like, like an all whack or something i did yeah that's what i started on how did you because uh, I, I haven't tried it properly and i'm worried that i'm gonna buy it and then try it and i'm not gonna get used to it mm, i so i've been spoiled right like i've been using i've been using the ipad pro and the cintiq now and i can't imagine going back to what i did but i know people do it still and if you never had <laughs> you haven't tasted the good life with the cintiq and that the ipad pro then you probably won't be too you know upset about it um, the only problem I have with it is that when you, you don't draw on your piece of paper, like perfectly horizontal, right? 
or perpendicular to you. So yeah. you usually like angle it to be a little more ergonomical so you can get your arm there and draw. But when you angle your tablet, it doesn't angle your screen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't match your screen. So if you're drawing certain angles, it'll look different on your screen unless you're drawing completely. So you kind of have to adjust how you draw, which yeah. I didn't like. It was kind of like I had to force, like it was kind of forcing its way on me than me just being like, I want to do whatever I want to do with it. Just draw like normal. Mm. So you have, to, you have to realize they are much cheaper, um, but you also have to get used to looking at your screen and drawing down. Yeah, because you're not looking at your hands drawing. <laughs> it's a learning curve for sure. It, I was very against it at the beginning. Then I got used to it, and then I saw the Cintiq, and then I was like, "How did I ever do the other ones?" Are you looking to push your illustration styles further, uh, and and where do you want to go, and where do you want to see them? You know, I have no idea where I want to go. I just know that it's fun getting there. <laughs> You know, like, and I don't know if my, my style or whatever will ever just be at a point where I'm just like, this is it. Like I am, I am content where I'm at and I hope, you know, maybe I'll just, I just don't see myself like finding a style and then just sitting there and trying to refine it. I just feel like I'm forever going to be playing around and experimenting and it's going to just evolve and evolve and evolve. But, uh, I, I do plan on continually looking at new things and trying new new things so i don't know it terrifies me it terrifies me to to be to to think that i can get to a point i know like some people are like you know you don't want to be like the jack of all trades where you're kind of like good at a bunch of things but not great at one thing i feel i feel like there's 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 you know some validity to that um but at the same time i feel like I just can't sit on one thing too long. I, but I, I keep, you know, you kind of keep the basics, right? I have like this general style and it just keeps getting added to like every time I do something new in my life or I get inspired, we move all over the place. My wife and I have moved, you know, uh, I, we almost, I, of our marriage, I think we moved to six, seven states. Wow. Um, we've, we've been married for 10 years. So, wow. and then I lived in the Philippines for two years. And so that like heavily inspired a lot of like the colors and things that I, and textures that I put into my art. But um, yeah, just, it just depends on what happens next. Right. When I went to Texas, I was drawing lots of cowboys and armadillos. And uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I'm in Idaho now. Maybe I'll draw more potatoes or something. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Let's <laughs> come to London and get inspired by what we've got. We can do like a <laughs> pictures or like the queen or something. <laughs> yeah exactly um as you stay focused on because you say you, you bounce around things and you try different things how do you stay focused on the project i have to i have to really schedule out my day because i'm terrible at if i when i when i started you know running my own business i was like man i'm gonna have free time all the time right i could stop and go do whatever i want and then come back and get back to work and it'll be great yeah. but uh that quickly that, that dream quickly faded after like two, three weeks or whatever of me doing that. Cause then I didn't realize I couldn't, I couldn't tell how much time I had to do things. Right. Yeah. So in order for me to focus, I really have to set strict hours for myself. And so I, I do, I still, I still do nine to five uh, like everybody else. And I have like my, my hour break for lunch, but I, I can always fudge that, but I try to stick as true to it as possible so that I can plan out how much time I have for all these different projects. And I even fit in time, I treat like side projects and things. Speaking of like, how do you find time to, to do like to explore, to do these different types of things or do multiple projects. Like I, I plan everything out, like the main projects, I plan out how many hours in the day I'm going to spend on it for client projects. And then I'm going to be 
uh, also planning out just like a normal client project, my passion projects or my experimentations. I'm like, okay, I'm, like, I have an hour today where I just have to play and experiment with whatever. And then another time I'll be like, and I have another hour today where I'm working on this random poster that I wanted to work on and just make for fun. Right. Yeah. And so I have, I have to schedule out my day pretty strict for that. And, uh, so I'm not, I'm not quite as free as most people think, but I do it to myself because I need to be able to count the hours that I have so I can be like, yeah, this will take me about four hours. I need to schedule in four hours sometime. It, it's what works for you as well, isn't it? Like people are different. If you need to do that to stay focused and other people can sort of roll with the punches a bit more and, and change things up, then yeah. whatever works for you. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. I have a friend that just sits in his living room. I have to lock myself away with head, like noise canceling headphones. I can't hear anything. I don't need to hear anything else from anybody. You know, I'm always working from home, so it's hard. But my other buddy, he'll just sit in the living room with his kids running around him on a laptop and work all like work sporadically throughout the day. Like I have no idea, and he's more successful than I am, so I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> so there's no real like rhyme or reason. But for me, in my mind, it helps to keep things organized. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about posters as well. Uh, I love your educational posters. Uh, oh, thank you. Where, where did that come from, and why did you start it? Yeah, so actually, yeah, it was something that my wife and I wanted to do for a really long time. So we have we have teacher friends and teacher family, oh, cool. uh, and uh, her her mom actually is a teacher, and a grade school teacher, and so she and she long for a long time you know expressed her her frustrations with with the uh, with the art and things like that and the visual aids that they had in their classes because she knew we were artists and so she'd always talk to me about like oh i have this really good idea to like this really i do that I, I make this poster and it helps kids learn math like they really understand math better when i do this drawing or whatever on this poster and and so every once in a while you know, she'll ask if i want to like help her brainstorm things or make things for her. and so that kind of got me the idea of like yeah like the art really hasn't changed in in elementary schools <laughs> like for a long time it's just and they're just and here in america they're just not getting a lot of funding and so and teachers are severely underpaid i mean they end up all the stuff that you see in their classroom is pretty much paid for by the teacher themselves after they're getting underpaid so you know they have to pay like 500 dollars out of pocket just to start the just on average, just to start the year, just for visual aids. And, and like, sometimes they even have to go as far as like buy toilet paper, buy, like that's what the, that's on the teachers. That should not have to be on the teachers. I mean, there's a, there's a huge issue here in the U S with, with the educational, you know, funding and things like that. So, and teachers are severely underpaid, like I said. So we wanted to do something. I was like, well, I know like my wife and I were talking and say like, well, we, know a thousand artists that are super super talented who would love to help out and so we had them come together and we gave them topics from teachers that asked like hey do stuff on you know uh, the life cycle of a butterfly we need stuff on the timeline of world war ii you know they need all these different things and so we started shooting those out to artists uh like talented professional artists and then they would come back with these amazing posters that are like that no one funded, right? Like th typically these things just come, you know, they're like government funded or a company did it way back when, and they're just super crummy, but you know, that's how kids learn. A lot of kids, especially if you have overcrowded classrooms, kids in the back of the class are learning from the posters on the wall. And you remember the posters in school. I mean, I do. I remember quotes all, all from, from my school because of the ones that were, I was in the back of the classroom and I could totally see that quote all the time, but that was something for us to to create for teachers. So all those posters now are on our website, the Artists for Education website. 
and uh, you can go on there and you can buy the posters for yourself and put them in like for your, like they're great for an office, for your living room and uh, for like kids playrooms and things. Yeah. Uh, but also they're there for teachers to download for free. And uh, hopefully our goal for it is to start donating physical posters into the classrooms, which is our next step. So stay tuned for that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really, really nice uh, project to start. And um, I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people and it already has. Uh, my favorite is uh, I love the World War II spiral. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the carbon cycle one as well, just the color, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the, the, the World War Two one that was that Patrick Mahoney. I think I was. Yeah, I, I, I want to say that was. I, I don't want to like misquote, but I think that was Patrick Mahoney, and he did a fantastic job on that one. Uh, there was so. I mean, all of our. I couldn't believe the response. Like we had over 150 artists like immediately respond saying they wanted to help out, and they were all like, so, so. "Cool!" Like they were all like these people. I was like, man. I never even get a chance to talk to you. Like Mary can't make divot. I was like, I really always want, I've always wanted to t chat with her. And, and so it's cool to have something made by her and, you know, a ton of other people that were just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool project. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking really looking forward to seeing it in schools and stuff. And it's a similar thing to the UK. We've got problems with, with education and funding and how art's taught and how a lot of stuff yeah. is taught. It's just not taught in an exciting visual way. And I think if, you know, things like this, like the posters and artists are helping and, and, also, arts art itself is not really looked upon as a main subject. Um, I've got a big problem with that, <laughs> especially. Yeah, the no. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other thing we never even mentioned. Yeah, they're they're taking out art in schools in general. They're not teaching yeah. it anymore. So this is kind of our way of injecting art back in there without, <laughs> you know, yeah. donating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's a whole other topic for another podcast, but uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously, you give back a lot uh, with the Skillshare stuff, with the posters. With, uh, yeah. you know, with podcasts and everything uh, <laughs> how, how do you get the, the Skillshare stuff filmed and also um, I mean I saw that you did 10 steps for boosting your artwork uh, yeah as our most recent class yeah I haven't I, I haven't I'm gonna be honest I haven't actually looked into I don't have a Skillshare account which I need to do um, oh sure but could you give us if possible like a tip <laughs> oh a tip for boosting your creative career yeah. your creative yeah yeah i could definitely definitely share something so i'm trying to think of i just say not not that i need to go back through but i was going to see if i had like a really really good one um one of the biggest ones is, is i kind of shared i shared a few of them here already like one of them was uh finding an artist that you really really like and recreating their artwork practice recreating their artwork because that teaches you a whole slew of new things um i told i actually i've, I've mentioned a few i've mentioned quite a few of them in here but i, I kind of another one that i guess as a, as a as a good tip would be um working with limitations that's it's kind of like that's one of the bigger ones that i implement daily in my work is i i try to create limitations and restrictions for myself even when they're not given to me <laughs> and uh you know i and the reason for that is because it, you know you kind of get this whole you know, uh, what is it? Necessity breeds invention. Is that what it is? It's what, so whatever the quote is about, you know, if there's a need, that's when people start inventing something worthwhile, you know, because of the need for it. And so if you don't really have a need for anything, you don't really create any sort of tension or something to, to solve, you're not really going to grow. You're not going to, you're not typically going to make something newer and exciting. So 
if you're getting a lot of projects where you're not getting a lot of restrictions where they're just like, Hey, just do what you want. You know, just, you know, just, just do your thing. Like you, you can add restrictions to a project. I do it with clients all the time. I usually don't tell my clients what my restrictions are, but I'll hold them to myself. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to make this whole thing in black and white. And then, you know, I won't tell them, but then I'll try to sell it to them as why it's good in black and white. You know, like, it's because I want to experiment with something, but it also, makes me solve a problem in a completely different way. Maybe I'm like, okay, maybe the color isn't the most important part, but I really want to get this message across. So now I don't have to worry about busying my mind with color palettes. I can just think about, okay, it's black and white. So now let's just move on to the design part. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it simplifies the process and sometimes it also just helps you uh, explore things and try to solve problems in ways that you never even thought. I mean, think about old, I love history uh, like, uh, I love art history. And so I like to watch, I like to see how things were made and why they made it that way. So I, in one of the, one of the, the textural things that I use all the time is, is half tones, like just not, not typically to make the whole thing a half tone image, but I use half tones as a texture in elements in my design to substitute for, um, another color. So I, instead of adding another color when printing, it's more expensive, the more colors you add, especially in like screen printing. Right. So if I had a red, uh, and I want like a red and a pink, I would just use a half tone with a, with a bigger spread. So when you look, when you bring it far away from you, it looks pink, right? Yeah. But that solves the problem, but it's still one color and I try and it's, it's cheaper. So solving problems like that, those are things that we do now aesthetically. And sometimes we use them as choices for, for like screen printing. But a lot of times we do it just cause like, Oh, it looks really cool. Having that old screen printed look, but they used it to solve problems back in the day. Cause that was like, it was very limiting in what they could print. So, um, look, yeah, using limitations to, to, to like help breed creativity, I think is probably the number one thing I would pull from that. Sweet. Uh, so that's a great tip. Um, like I still take the class. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I just told okay. you everything. In the class, but take it. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, yeah. It's a really good tip. I think, uh, limitations is, is good for a lot of things. Um, putting restrictions in, uh, like you say, working around pro problems rather than just having three. You know, you know, you get around to doing things as well. If you've got thing deadlines and problems to solve, you get you actually get on with it rather than if you're if you're yeah. free, then you, you don't know where to start. So well, that's why passion projects are probably the hardest ones. And some people are like, how do you ever like how do you have time to do all these passion projects? Like, well, I could sit there and try to think of a project, but if you have infinite possibilities, you're never gonna land on a project, or it's gonna take you a very long time. So. Yes in order to do that, just make your own client brief. Like you're your own client. Just be like, okay, it has to be eight by 10. It has to be three colors max. It has to, you know, you put on your own limitations and see what you make and usually you come up with something pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Uh, what is your summer workshop? Where are you going with it and what's happening with it? Yes. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. My, my wife and I are traveling with our, with our kids. We're going to do a, it's a family affair. We were already going to go to Michigan. And so we decided, okay, well, we have so many awesome like creative hubs and communities along the way on the way back. Uh, we just might as well, you know, do some workshops and meet people. And we thought it'd be really, really fun. And it would help finance the trip itself. So, you know, that was kind of a, we're going to be gone for a month. So we wanted it to help finance it. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be a good time. We're, we're hoping to, so we have seven cities that we've picked out. We're going to be all, it's basically in the Midwest area. So we'll have two in Michigan. We'll have, uh, we'll have one in Minneapolis. We'll have one in Chicago, Indianapolis, um, Columbus, Ohio. And I think they say Madison, Wisconsin. 
Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. So there's going to be seven of them. <laughs> if I didn't name all seven, it'll, it'll come out tomorrow. The list, uh, the tour, the tour list. So that'll be out on, uh, the, on the website by the time this goes up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I'll, exactly. I'll link down below. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yep. It'll, it'll be in there. And if you're, uh, if you're subscribed to our newsletter, uh, you can be the first to sign up in that. And so we're going to have that announced for us tonight and then, uh, to everyone else tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, it's, a. Uh, we're going to be doing the workshop itself is going to be a little bit about, it's going to have a little intro where it's going to be my wife and I chatting about brave the woods, what we do, how we work together. Cause a lot of people don't know she's involved uh, cause she runs the whole business and she's a writer. And, uh, and then we also are going to do the class itself is going to be, we're going to be making bugs with uh, like bug posters, like taxonomy charts. And uh, we're going to do it by finding textures, like leaves and sticks and all those things, making textures, scanning in leaves and all these things and making textures in Photoshop and uh, uh, making like these, uh, making TIFF textures also for Illustrator, making brushes out of them, doing all sorts of things with these cool custom textures that we made. And then we're gonna use them on a digital illustration of bugs, which is gonna be a lot of fun, so. That's, that's awesome, that's really cool. What sort of people is coming along to that? Your kids, is it? So no, 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 we're just, we just have our kids. So yeah, so it's going to be, we're going to be doing bugs for adults. Yeah. Um, when you see the, when you see the promo art, you'll understand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all my stuff, all my stuff is, everybody who sees Brave the Woods work, they go, they go, oh man, I love this stuff. Like it's great for my kids, but I kind of like it too. <laughs> it was like, well, it's good. I, it's meant for, you know, youthful people and you know, those are young at heart. So uh like kids and everything but yeah so the thing is just going to be learning how to take those textures that we're making bring them on the computer and then do i'm going to teach you like tips and tricks for using textures like i said like substituting it in for colors so you don't have to have this massive color palette because a lot of times that's that's a hard time that's a hard thing for people whether they admit it or not you see a lot of illustrations fail because the the color palette is crappy you know <laughs> like it just doesn't doesn't work well there's too many colors it's too muddied and so i want to go over color theory a little bit in that workshop as well so proper in depth. that's really cool yeah it should be a good time awesome well look i hope i, I hope to see some photos on instagram and follow along from the uk yeah <laughs> i was say you were you were here you were you were close yeah yeah you, if you're doing it some sometime around creative south next year maybe you should do one at creative south pitch it to oh mike I should. That's a good. That's a good call. I need to do that. Okay, I'll talk to him. <laughs> um, I mean, that's basically it. That's that's the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Thank you. Last last question. How do you want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? <laughs> Man, you always ask these. You always ask these hard questions. These really philosophical, deep questions. I like um, <laughs> no, I think it's good. From how do I want to be remembered? You know. The only reason that I have an answer kind of off top of my head is because I think about this one quite a bit having kids now. Right. Like I see, you know, the, my, my kids, I always, I always tell them because they see me at home and they complain that I'm working all the time because I'm they're at home too. Right. And so they see me all day and I'm like, you don't understand all your friends, dads are gone all day long at work and they don't understand that they're two and six. Right. So, but I'm always sitting there trying to explain to them, Hey, this is, this isn't normal what I'm doing. I'm here more than your friend's dads. Or I can say, I can come out anytime I want to talk to you. Um, but because I have that, right? Like then I start comparing myself to like their dads. I'm like, what are their dads doing? Like, I'm just sitting here drawing pictures in my, in my underwear, in my, in my office, right at home. Like what, what am I contributing? And so 
I, I, I want to be remembered as someone, not only someone who's a talented, like creative, but someone who used their creative talents to, to give back, whether that's to the like students, young, you know, creatives coming up or um, just causes that I believe in. Like I, I was able to use my talents and gifts to help other people in some way or fashion. That's, and I hope people see that in what we do with Brave the Woods. I mean, our first book, our first children's book, Tata's Gift was all raising funds for uh, the Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines that hit and getting people clean water, you know, like things that we're associated with things that we like, we make money obviously with our client work, but at the same time, like all the stuff that we do on the side or we try to pair with clients that, you know, believe in the same thing we do. So I hope, I hope it's beyond, I don't want, I don't want them to be like, yeah, he's just, he just draws and stuff. Like, cause every time they come into my office, they're like, dad, are you working? Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, you're drawing a dog right now. I'm like, I know, but that's for work. Like you don't understand. So I want them to be able to think like, okay, he's not just a, he didn't just draw fun little things, cute little things. You know, he draws, he does things for people. And so that's what I'm going to be remembered as. Somebody who uses his talents to help other people. Awesome. Uh, I mean, he's definitely on the way today. He's definitely doing it. So that's fantastic. Uh, awesome. Where can people find you and say hello and contact you? Yeah. So I would say you can, you can check out our work at bravethewoods.com. It has all of our contact information there. Uh, you can reach out at uh, hello at bravethewoods.com. Uh, and we also, uh, Instagram, really active, as you know, uh, brave underscore the underscore woods. And uh, that's the same for Twitter, I believe. I believe it's the same on Twitter, but uh, mostly active on Instagram. And then if you really, if you want to go so on Instagram, I'll give a lot of freebies. I give a lot of tips, tutorials, all sorts of things. You got to keep up on everything, but also if you sign up for our newsletter, which is in the bio in our Instagram account and our at the bottom of our webpage, uh, you can find a link to our Brave newsletter, which we give you free things every time you open up, open it up. So, open it up. <laughs> There's always free stuff in there. I try to make it because I know I hate I hate getting I always unsubscribe to people, so I try to make it worth it. And we only do it every couple of weeks, so there's always something good in there. Have you got a good open race? we do we do actually surprisingly we only like we only lose like one un we always get like one unsubscribe a time we have about uh -huh. seven eight hundred uh subscribers now so typically you lose like a good chunk of them every time you send one out but you know you get that back with acquisitions and stuff like that but yeah we've been seeing since we started giving people stuff free stuff people are staying so <laughs> believe it or not if you're giving away free stuff keeps people around fantastic well, thanks very much for being on the podcast yeah, you bet, man. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Go and check out Brad and all his work. Go and say hello, too. I'm trying to build a bit more of a community and a bit more of a brand around Blue Dead Design and the Creative Waffle Podcast. If you are listening, if you are uh, listening to this podcast, if you're enjoying it, leave a like, give a share, review, uh, anything that would really help. Also, the main thing that I want people to do is come and say hello to me. Come and contact me. Say that you're listening and... and You'll get a blue. I can send you a blue design package if you really want one. Uh, but also, just the main thing is just to get in contact, just to say hello. Um, I really want to know who's listening to the podcast, and I want to connect with more of you and more of a relationship between the listeners and myself. So thank you very much for listening. Say hello. I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>